This week, I attempt to go three rounds with the prize fighters. Stay tuned. Welcome to On The Upbeat. I'm Matt, and I'm by myself. Well, as far as uh, co-hosts go, I'm officially by myself. But for this fantastic episode, I do have Aaron and Courtney from the Prize Fighters. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Yay! Hello, hello. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Um, so you all just told me that uh, currently you just got finished with uh, like a band meeting or, uh, you know, so what were you doing just before you joined uh, us tonight? We were enjoying some um, delicious pizza. We were having a pizza party as a band <laughs> instead of having rehearsal. So we figured we put out an album. We deserve to have a pizza party. <laughs> yeah, time to get together and not worry about details or when we have to load in or anything we can just enjoy each other's company because that's that's something we don't want to lose in the shuffle of uh trying to make things happen as as a band so yeah very nice beautiful beautiful night out here in saint paul and great to see everybody and not have to like worry about when we play or like right i feel like I'm much, issues i'm much better at eating pizza than i am at playing saxophone so <laughs> <laughs> i think it worked out for everybody years of practice yeah that's awesome. Um, so uh, you all recently, obviously, you dropped the new album, Punch Up, and we're going to, of course, talk about that in a little bit. But you also had your record release show recently. How'd that go? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, weekday show, you know, a Wednesday night, which we typically wouldn't shoot for that for a, a release show date. But it turned out really, really well. Um, you have a number of uh, fans and friends who the weekend is tougher for them to make it out. So it was, it was, it was cool to uh, see you know, some of those folks out there. And it was just a great time to finally get to celebrate the release of the album we've been working on and promoting for so long. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw so many fans, so many friends, um, and it, we played with some really great bands from, uh, from this area. So it was, it was a really good night and we ended early so that, um, you know, people that are working on a, you know, a Thursday morning can, you know, skank it up in the, in the night and go work the next day. Yes. Yes. Very much appreciate that. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a hard time to have, I've been to a few sort of midweek shows and those are, those are difficult to, uh, you know, the next day or even to get out to, cause you're just, you know, especially if you're coming from work, it's difficult and you just like, I don't want to go stand around. I'm, you know, you're sort of burnt. Yeah. Out. Plus, <laughs> plus we had um, an air quality alert that night too, or, or that whole day. We had a lot of the residual smoke from the Canadian wildfires coming down right. into this part of the state and the region. So um, yeah, air quality was pretty bad. And I, I would imagine that that may have deterred some people from coming out, but uh, fortunately inside the venue, it, the air was, was clean and clear enough to, uh, to not be bothered by it. But uh yeah, always, uh, always some new challenge <laughs> to overcome when uh, when trying to play in a band and get people out to your shows. Yeah, yeah. Keep us on our toes. Yeah. So, so overall, the night was great. Yeah, we had a really great time. Had uh, you know a lot of people that hadn't seen us in a while. Um, you know, a lot of friends hadn't seen in, in a while. Um, like Tim, the original drummer of the Prize Fighters, came out. So great to see him. Um, other, you know, we had we had the full. The full lineup from the album. Uh, so uh, Scott, who uh, played flute on the album, I also played with him in Umbrella Bed. It had him come up for for that song that he played with us. So kind of cool to have that. Uh, making sure we had everyone in in the house that we wanted to have represented on stage that night. We also played every single song from the new album. So that was oh. kind of a full fun way to just celebrate the album was to to present it in live for for everyone to to experience. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I had a very interesting weekend. I actually, so uh, as you may or may not know, I live in Southern California, uh, Orange mm -hmm. Orange County to be specific, and I drove out to uh, Arizona to go to ska show, and uh, <laughs> and a lot of people were like, "But why?" <laughs> and especially when most of those bands had like half of the bands I was seeing 
had recently played 25 minutes from my house. Um, Which show? Did you go to, the, go to the Nile in Mesa? Was it that one? Or? Yes, I did. That's the one I went to. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. And uh, with uh, Half Past Two, Stop the Presses, Bocat, and um, Without a Doubt, uh, they are a No Doubt cover band, and they were pretty, <laughs> they were pretty awesome. Uh, I told the lead singer that they they their versions of No Doubt songs were a lot like tougher, like. And she's like, no, and you know, uh, she's like, no, no, like you're crazy, and I and I meant it in a way of like, like they just, he had more distortion on the the upstroking parts of their songs than I think No Doubt had, and she's like, oh, she's like, yeah, it's because our guitarist like he's super into metal, so he, like, and I'm like, yeah, that that explains it a lot. <laughs> so they were a lot more. There was a lot more crunch in, you know, their uh, their sound, and I loved it. So I, you know, uh, it works. Nice. And pretty much those are the, uh, seeing a no doubt cover band is pretty much the only way I'll get to hear those songs uh, live in any capacity. One, even if they re- reunited, I probably can't afford tickets to their shows. Um, and <laughs> and two, even if I could, I'd probably be in the nosebleeds, and I really don't go to shows where I'm sitting in the nosebleeds. I don't know about you all, but yeah, um, yeah same, same. So, uh, yeah, so I, I basically did it because it was just something different to do, something to break the monotony of doing stuff. And it was a way to have a little road trip. Uh, I took my oldest daughter uh, with me and uh, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, nice. Of- yeah, that's, that's a cool drive. I've done, I've done that drive once before. Um, my girlfriend used to live in Mesa and uh, the... The, the Nile was like her home venue, like was pretty close to her house. So she, she saw tons of Scott shows there back in like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. So many came through there. So it's cool that that's still a space that's, that's uh, opening up. Uh, but yeah, we did the drive um, from, from Phoenix to, to Anaheim and back when I was visiting her one time. And it's a, uh, it's a very pretty drive. It is. At least it- that, like leaving, leaving Arizona, especially leaving the, the Valley, especially is just like, every turn you go around and it's like some new sort of biome and it's just I was like, oh my god this is incredible yeah it's a it's some of the early early like mickey mouse and pal like his friends like on on road trips or or whatever like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah driving around the the american southwest and uh so i, I got my my real life dose of that yes but that's it- awesome that you made that made that that trip that's uh yeah. it's always fun to go to a scotch show in a different city different state yeah you see differences and you see similarities and i think that you mm-hmm. know is uh well it's great that you have that you know being in the scott scene it's like that's sort of your safe space and you know other people feel that same way and you can have that connection to other people just by you know by being by being there like i've that's one of the things i love about scott and the scott scene is being it you know able to go to a, a show someplace else and like you tell someone again yeah, i'm visiting from from minneapolis or you know we're yeah whatever you know whatever you're from and then uh people are excited that you're there at the scott show in their uh community yeah yeah so it was a good time very, very supportive. nice it's a good time and uh all right so uh we will jump into some ska news here we go rude girls and rude boys too grab your friends and listen to what we're telling you Yes, Ska News, where we tell you about the latest releases and uh, latest happenings in the Ska community, at least all that we can fit into. Oh no, that was a music cue that shouldn't have been playing. Um, At least all the stuff that we can fit into a short little segment. First up... We have something from Millington. On June 16th, Millington released their new EP entitled uh, Welcome Home. And uh, they also released a new music video for the song Hollywood. And so we're going to listen to that track off the new uh, Welcome Home album by Millington. So here's a clip of Hollywood. Chase your dreams while you're tearing at the seams. Don't fall apart in Hollywood. Hearts on sleeves, I will wear them as I please 
so yes, that is Millington uh, with her new song Hollywood off their uh, latest EP, Welcome Home. And uh, don't worry, even though Millington does, you know, mix in pop punk uh, with their ska, there is some ska on the EP. Don't you worry about it. So uh, I was worried. I was a little worried. <laughs> But that was the first uh, single that they put out. Well, not, I mean, yeah, not technically, but it's the first music video off the off the album. So, uh, yeah, you can check out the music video on YouTube, uh, on their uh, YouTube page. All right, next up, we have Runaway Ricochet. On June 16th, Runaway Ricochet released a new song called Uncle Crow. The new song is the first single off... The band's upcoming album, Diminishing Returns, that album will be out July 21st. Let's take a listen to the new single called Uncle Crow by Runaway Ricochet. That is Runaway Ricochet with their new song, Uncle Crow, that is off their new album that is coming out July 21st. The new album will be called Diminishing Returns, and uh, so make sure you check out Uncle Crow because it is streaming everywhere now. So next up, we have, uh, uh, we have Wave Breaker number four from uh bad time records they officially released it on june 16th uh it this is a split ep uh between joe gittleman uh the bassist formerly of the mighty mighty boss tones and uh the band um and then so a split with joe gittleman and uh bad operation um so if you're unfamiliar with the wavebreaker series from uh, Bad Time Records, it is basically they take maybe a legendary band um, and a newer ska band and they put them on a split EP. Um, they, I know they did Catbite and uh, Mike Park in the past. Uh, they did, I think it was, the first one I think was Kill Lincoln and Lesson Jake. So yeah, so, uh, so here's a song from Joe Gittleman. Uh, it is called... Uh, Pete lost the beat. All right, let's check it out. It wasn't looking good and Pete knew it. Eve tried hard to misconstrue it. A wild and reckless ride, rolling down Chance's ugly side. Decisions with an engineer's precision wouldn't rise and couldn't shine, no matter how hard they tried. So that is uh, Pete Lost the Beat from Joe Gittleman off Wavebreaker 4 Split EP with Bad Operation. And uh, yeah, so you can, uh, I'll put all of this stuff in the show notes and you can check it out there. 
and uh, go find where you can listen to all these songs and how to get them, whether they're on physical copies or on streaming. And before we head out of Ska News, just want to remind you all that On The Upbeat has a Patreon page. And, uh, you know, it gets you bonus episodes at least two a month. Most of the time, more. Uh, it gets you access to a private Facebook page and discounts on merch. So you can check it out at patreon.com slash ska. All right. Now let's talk all things prize fighters uh courtney this is your first time on the show aaron was on uh once before uh by the way if anyone wants to check out that first interview with aaron um it is i believe it's episode 88 uh of on the upbeat so you can go check that out but courtney since this is your first time and we always ask this question a first time guest how did you get into ska music what is your ska music origin story Origin story. Yes, it's very important. <laughs> um, well, for me, I mean, I didn't really know what ska was until probably um, like my eighth grade year was like in 1996, you know, when things were really cooking um, with the ska third wave. I just knew I liked all these songs that were on the alternative radio station and um, I think somebody at a middle school dance said, hey, this is ska music, and then showed us how to skank, you know, at the dance. And I was like, this is, uh, well, like, while I didn't know what ska was, when they said this song was ska, I understood. I was like, oh, I know what this is. I really like this. <laughs> and then if you flash forward to, like, high school, um, we had an all-ages uh, club, um, called the warehouse. I, I grew up in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and there's a, I think it might be the the nation's longest running um, all ages uh, venue, um, and it's this cool club. You have to climb like uh, I think it's like 47 stairs up this like old ancient um, uh, building in downtown La Crosse, and um, they would put on these shows and back when I was in high school, like they'd have ska bills where there'd be like four or five different ska bands playing a night. And um, one of my friends in marching band was in a band called the Skamish. Um, they were based out of like Winona, Minnesota. And they, they would like play in, well, when I saw them, um, they played in like full, like, um, I don't know what you call it, Amish sort of get up. And mm -hmm. I think halfway through the, the set, they, they like sacrificed a, um, a stuffed sheep that had like fake blood <laughs> in it. So it's kind of like this ska core meets sort of like war on a local level sort right, of thing. Right, and right. I just thought it was so cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, and seeing all these like bands from, you know, like, huge cities like milwaukee you know where we were playing and it was like whoa and they were playing saxophones and and trumpets but they were playing with this like extreme like sort of hardcore punk rock beat and i just remember thinking it was like the coolest thing i'd ever seen and it was like there it, there's like this feeling of like you know i just was doing math in my head like i play an instrument i um I really think this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I need to do this for the rest of my life, you know, sort of thing. Right. And so like pretty much ever since I've been, you know, playing in bands, um, you know, through high school. And then I went, uh, moved to Minneapolis and have been in bands there pretty much ever since. And I joined the prize fighters, um, you guys had already been rolling. Um, I think Prize Fighters started around 2006 or seven, and I joined them after their first album, um, Follow My Sound, was released. And I found, I feel like I, you know, I've been playing in all these like sort of like ska punk meets avant garde sort of like weird psychedelic rock bands. And this was the first time I was tapping into like real like, jamaican based ska music and um all of a sudden 
I, my interest was peaked yet again, like just like I was when I was, you know, in, in high school. And it was like, holy cow, I love this music. I want to know everything about it. And so, yeah, I've been playing with them and kind of geeking out with them ever since. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you all just released uh, a new album called Punch Up. I was wondering, um, how does the title of the album connect to uh, the sound, the vibe, the lyrics? How did Punch Up as a title sort of uh, work in to fit the album? Yeah, I think uh, when we were done recording the songs and mixing them and we were you know, listening back to them a lot, um sort of taking stock at the last, you know, the, the last several years that culminated in, in writing the album and, you know, realizing that a lot of the themes that we were exploring lyrically on the album, at least were, you know, having to do with, you know, social justice and, and just, just, you know, the, the everyday fight that we live in, in the world and, and how we've placed our values it's, you know, collectively, you know, seemingly how we've placed our values is, is um, you know, in, in a time when there's a lot of you know, oppressive language and laws and, and, and behaviors that are sort of bubbling back up to the surface and becoming more visible and more, uh, more prominent and how that's taken up a lot of our mental space and and just the the way that we live our lives and, and interact within within our communities and everything um and uh i, I think i think that name occurred to me punch up because i you know obviously punch up is is used you know pretty frequently uh just as far as uh you know discussing social issues you know you don't punch down you punch up because that's you know that's sure. liberation ideology and 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 progressive and all that, but the 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 obvious pun there with us being the prize fighters made it seem. Hmm. It, hope hope it wasn't too on the nose, but um, but seems to 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 sum it up pretty well. Yeah. Um, and and we were we were talking too about uh, you know being being a ska band that is certainly uh, like described as a traditional ska band. Um, or Jamaican Oldies Band or, or whatever, you know, we wouldn't be described as Scott Punk, but like we're all, we're all, you know, punks. We all have like punk rock histories and stuff like that and, and, and love punk rock. And like a lot of the lyrics are really like you would, you would hear that on punk rock songs. Like, sure. Yeah. I used to write a lot of punk rock songs and my lyrical um, writing, you know, has, has evolved with, with my involvement in, in Jamaican inspired music, but the place where it's coming from is still kind of the same. And, you know, we were just, you know, talking about punk rock and, and sort of the origins of punk rock and how uh, it, it really was a, a shock to the system of the status quo coming out and being you know, in your face and something you can't, can't ignore, but more like speaking truth to power in order to do that. So like, you know, right. punk rock seemed like it was like the sex, sex pistols, for example, love them or hate them, whatever they, they, they have a very mixed legacy, but, you know, talking about the fact that they, they came out around the time of the Queens golden Jubilee and first single, they were promoting God save the queen with very provocative images on it. And, and these, these messages about, you know, fascist regime and all, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it spoke truth to power in a way that, wasn't really being done in British society at that point, but once they did it, it made a splash and it, it really broke down the floodgates of, right. of that, of that society and how, and not that we're trying mimicking that or anything, but just, just seeing how, um, what the, what that spawned. Um, I, I remember it was, I, I forget who the quote is attributed to. I, it was one of the members of the body, sna body snatchers, I believe, but she said like, if it wasn't for punk rock, you know, like two tone wouldn't have happened. And and that's, and that's very, that's yeah. very true. Um, 
like punk rock opened up the floodgates for so many different uh like youth subcultures to to come out you know for from like revival subcultures from like right. skinhead and mods revival subculture to like the the rude boy subculture and, and new wave and goth and all that sort of stuff yeah it it, it, it changed the game so where you didn't have to be this arena rock superstar to to be in a band it's it sort of like reinvigorated the whole like garage band notion of stuff but but with this youth subculture aspect to it and um and just knowing that the legacy of Skog really goes back to th- that you know in in this country like we were you know in america it was the scott first sky bands playing here were inspired by those two-tone bands and there's uh not everyone is is as political or, or on board with those same kind of kind of messages but i know to me getting into Scott, like the the anti-racist and the like anti-nazi anti-fascist stuff was was a really important message for me and it was really it was awesome to see that be be so central to the the culture as well as the music and uh, you know i think sometimes that gets that can get lost like you don't you know if you're playing ska like you don't necessarily have to be um explicitly anti-racist but it's like you you kind of should be i, I think it be, not that you should be necessarily but it's like if you're if you're not then it's like well you know what are you, what are you doing what are, what is your what is your connection to to scott and it's you know people are free to have their own messages and everything like that. But uh, just knowing the, the, the history of your culture, where it came from and, and knowing that that's that the, the politics, the progressive politics, the, the, you know, uplifting people who are constantly being pushed down by oppressive forces in society. Like that is something that a band with influence has the power to help influence and change and talk about punching up is a collective action when you do it with a band and within a music community like like the scott scene and now the scott scene is very receptive to to those those more progressive messages and uh i think we realized that you know even though we're not we're you know trying to lean hard into those like we lean hard into that stuff because that's just like what we what we talk about and what we what we believe is as, as people, but um, I guess trying to, trying to combine that message together and realize that, yeah, actually, you know, we are standing for, for something specifically. This isn't just a loose approximation or, you know, a loose bit of songs that is just a, a collection that all happens to have similar themes, but we wanted to title the album something that made it clear that, you know, us talking about the stuff that we we're talking about isn't just, coincidental or trendy or, or whatever that it's actually uh it has has substance behind it that we we care a lot about awesome uh and i i agree i think uh you know it's important to to you know speak your mind and say what you think is uh the right approach to you know uh how the world should function and and how the the culture that you are connected with should function and and uh, yeah and I think uh, I think it's a great message and um, yeah it's it's, it's um, you know it's not as much about us speaking our mind as much as it is sort of like representing a collective voice of of the communities that we we exist in and you know signal boosting certain messages and being um you know, not just putting our individual opinions out there, but, but more collective messages of, mm. of like social liberation movements. And uh, yeah, and I'm not trying to sound so self-important with that, but just, I think it's important to note that these are all songs that, that are written sort of from, from this, this collective and shared perspective that it's not just, you know, a one-way conversation that this is, sure. we've, we've gotten really good feedback from people that have heard the record so far and, and really resonate with the themes that we're talking about because they're, they're not just individual ideas. They're, they're the result of conversations that we've had. Right. And, and it, it, it does represent a collective voice and putting that to music. Uh, my, my hope is that that gives 
a little bit of a signal signal boost to those conversations and the you know it, it, it definitely represents where we are at now both as as individuals as a band as friends as as a culture as a society and everything right. so um yeah i hope it resonates in in the way that we intended it but you know we're not, we're not trying to be preachy or anything uh and we don't have answers even though we're you know singing about things from a from a a, a perspective that is that is opinionated but they're you know the result of of these collective conversations that we have been a part of and are, are continuing to be a part of. We also hope it will bring awareness to certain, these certain conversations too, you know, just making, making people aware of like, you know, Hey, these are, these are some oppressive things that are happening. These are some things that, um, that are happening to maybe not us individually, but communities that we're a part of or neighbors of ours or, right. you know, people that we care about. And so I, I, I think, even though we don't, we may not be, you know, we don't have the answer. We want to raise awareness around the the issue, or at least talk, at least talk about it or sing yeah. about it. You know, right. it's, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, what was the recording process like for this record? You know, sort of when did it begin? You know, uh, you know, how long did it take? What was the overall process like? It actually, um, this is. This was recorded, even though it was recorded in the same studio, we've done other um, albums. So we we recorded at uh, Future Future Condo. Um, it's a studio in South Minneapolis um, recording with um, John Miller, who's uh, worked with us before on um, other, um, on Firewalk, our previous um, full-length album. We did, during the pandemic, we did a... Um, follow my sound um 10th anniversary um sort of live performance that we put out and then we also did um some live videos there um so we decided we wanted to record there again for for punch up but um this time instead of um just you know trying to save as much money as we could and just record it all in one weekend and just try to bang it all out we we said you know we're going to take our time we're going to book a whole week um and of course, um, one week turned into like two, three weeks and just kept, kept going. I, I mean, during, during the process, I, I actually convict, uh, contracted COVID, oh. um, after we, I did some main tracking and then I, I was out for, um, a, you know, a week and a half or so, and then had to come back in and record, um, overdubs and a bunch of stuff. So, but I will say, um, that if, I mean, aside from the COVID, <laughs> it was, it felt good to not have be under the gun of like, Hey, we are on the clock and we need to like, you know, bang these tunes out as fast as we can because we don't have um, the luxury of time. Right. And I think you can, you can hear that. I mean, there's the, the, this, the record sounds a little bit different than um, Firewalk. Um, I, uh, we had more time to spend with these tunes and I feel like, I don't know, they, they, uh, these are some of the most they're the songs that i'm the most proud of um performance wise too yeah yeah we think really we've uh pushed ourselves in our in our sound with this album just just you know exploring more jamaican music styles d trying to dig deeper into that and learn more and and you know play play with more nuanced Things. like there's a lot more reggae on this album like there was there was virtually no reggae on on the firewalk album so this this new album is about half reggae and experimenting with new styles that we haven't haven't done before because there's there's so many different ways to play reggae especially the the very early days of reggae you know 68 71 kind of that that era um so it was it was a lot of fun to play around with 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 some of those new styles and uh you know, we we were prepared going into the studio, but yeah, having that initial seven day block of of days to be in there and know that we had that time to you know keep all keep all our gear in there set up and not worry about striking down at the end of the night right. and just just being in the in the in the moment with uh with the session not having to to stress too much about about pounding it in and it was uh it was a lot of fun 
as a horn player too i mean when we played firewalk we did it i think we tracked in two days um tracks, yeah. and we had so many horn instrumentals on that song i was playing with my hair on fire the whole time it was so stressful mm, yeah. <laughs> and this this album there's less uh <laughs> horn instrumentals uh, there's still some there's still um a couple but it was it was more manageable so i felt like I, the pressure was off and there was yeah. so much more or less stress and i don't know if it was that or what but uh, then i then i got sick <laughs> yeah. here i was thinking like oh i'm in the clear and it's like nope <laughs> Well, it was nice that for this one we planned to do a lot of the the, sol- the horn solos overdubbed, yeah. and uh, uh, one of the differences with uh, with Punch Up versus Firewalk is is we did Firewalk all to tape, all analog, mm. and um, which is which is which is a fun experience. It doesn't give you as much flexibility, which which can be a good thing and a bad thing, but also tape has gotten really really expensive too. So we were we were thinking you know it's, you know we the, the other stuff we had done there before like the two live video things and then um we did uh, joe hill uh oh, yeah. a, a contract for uh one of the specialized compilations all that we did digital and it sounded just as as good as the tape i mean for for it for all intents and purposes it was it's a good studio and you know john the engineer he knows what he's doing and can can make it sound good to digital as well so we went that route and that's that's a it's a nice way to you have a bit more flexibility and it's not you know it 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 didn't really sound much different than than going to tape and it made mixing a lot easier too so well i mean john was just like thank god you guys aren't going to tape it's so hard like i mean (laughs) the engineer i mean uh the 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 engineer's job is made like infinitely harder to to do all analog so he he, he loves working with tape though he loves working with tape but it's it's one of those labors of love i i think you know there's especially if you're trying to uh you know you like manually splice tape it can just be it's a lot more hands-on i mean in, in most studios uh that that do tape recording there's there's the engineer and then there's the tape operator so someone whose job is just to operate the tape machine and uh, for the firewalk album he was doing it all so it's it's sort of double duty at the same time if you are a uh recording engineer recording a band to tape and doing all the all the necessary tape stuff so yeah it was impressive to watch but i think he was so goddamn relieved that he didn't have to do it. so yeah so, so that was a big difference for the, from this new album and um we had we had a couple new uh new players on the album too uh so charlie smith playing keys with us and he played on on both of those live videos we did there um but this was the first time that he was able to contrib- contribute his skills and his his creative flow to the, to the to new material and you can hear his keys all all over punch up and it sounds amazing really elevates the record and then um matt who was the original bass player for the prize fighters and then uh came back recently to the bands to play lead guitar so his lead guitar work is all over the album and uh and it sounds great and it's it's awesome that He's a better, much better lead guitar player than I am. I, I did the lead stuff on, on the Firewalk album, but Matt, you know, a dedicated lead guitar player who is very talented and very creative, and was able to work on all of his parts at at rehearsals and the shows that we did leading up to the recording of of Punch Up, uh, really make the album shine a lot. And I think if uh, if people are hear hear the album and 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 they're, they're familiar with with Firewalk. And they hear the guitar stuff on, on uh, on Punch Up. I think they're going to be very impressed. But I, I, as the rhythm guitar player, I want to make it very clear that that is not me. <laughs> I've I've not gotten significantly better at playing lead guitar. That's all. That's all, Matt. Our yeah, lead guitar player. He's the secret sauce on the album, no doubt. Yeah, that's awesome. So we are going to listen to a new uh, song off the album. Um, we're going to listen to "Close to Your Chest." What can you tell us about this song? So close your chest is is a song about being mindful when you are taking in and disseminating information because 
you know, we live in the age of clickbait and fake news and just just rumors and conjecture. And and with the way that social media culture especially has made people's compulsion to be the first people to share information that yeah. there can be the the urge to share unviable unverified information and um you know at at the most benign you know just like waste people's time but at the most dangerous so it can it can it can stir up a lot of of really bad stuff and just a reminder for us to I'll be conscious of the the influence that we all have and and beware of the influence that other people have and maybe you know, you hear somebody else say something and you have to say ah you know what I'm not going to just just take this blindly we still have to be diligent in the way that we take in information and synthesize it and and really be you know it's good. It's good to have your own opinions. It's good to have to like get get information and process it the way that we want to. But um, the temptation for leaving hot takes or being the first person to say something about something like some conversations are all about that. And like, there's so many conversations I've been a part of where it's just like. I don't know the actual news story, but I've seen like a hundred memes about something. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what is the context here? What is this all about? Yeah. And then, and then it's like, you, you start, you start with the punchline without even knowing what the joke is. And then, you know, sometimes you can be like completely wrong on something and go along with something that, that you don't know. And there's just, yeah. you know, there, there's a million ways to get in trouble by being, you know, fast and loose on, on the internet or, or, or in real life, you know, I don't want to write this just as like an internet song, sure. but um, that's, that's certainly the inspiration for close to your chest. It's also just a catchy, groovy reggae tune that you can dance to, which that's, that's what I love about it. <laughs> awesome. the, the, the two were, the two work in tandem. Like if we got a message, we, we're not going to write a song. that's going to, it's going to bum you out or make you snooze until the next one. And so, Right, and this this one is is a is an example of uh, a very early reggae sound, like nineteen sixty eight, sort of coming out of Rocksteady when the when the beat got a little more syncopated and, and lively. So it has that Rocksteady feel, but definitely that uh, that early reggae transition vibe to it. Awesome. So uh, we're gonna listen to "Close to Your Chest" uh, by the Prize Fighters, and then we will come back and chat some more. It were a matter of fact 
Yes, very danceable song, good message, and uh, one I definitely related to, uh, and even with uh, your all's um, sort of explanation of the song, like, I related to listening to it, like, especially on a more basic human level about, like, gossip and how stuff can get away from you before you know the full story and you're reacting on a half-truth or a you know, interpretation that is completely one-sided or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then when, when you were talking about the sort of social media aspect, I remember years ago and maybe you all have seen this meme, but there was a meme that, uh, it was, um, a meme of like a tweet that was, uh, sent by supposed to be in quotes, supposed to be by Morgan Freeman and uh, I forget exactly what the wording was, but it was something about, like, you know, you're free to have your own opinion, but if your opinion is you being a bigot, you're actually an asshole or something like that. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, I don't think Morgan Freeman has a Twitter account. <laughs> I was like, I just don't think so. I just don't think he does. And then I looked into it, and sure enough, like, it was on Snopes and all these other things. It was just like, this is not this true. And I sort of, like, went to a friend and said, like, hey, just so you know, like, this isn't true. And they didn't care. And they, you know, they shared it and were fine with it. They didn't care. They're like, well, the sentiment is what I'm really sharing, not necessarily. Like... Yeah, and maybe Morgan Freeman would say that. Maybe he would agree with it. But did he? So it's kind of... And it's just like, I know it's a small thing because you're really agreeing with the sentiment, but then you're portraying a real person. But you're stuffing the words into someone else's mouth. It's like, that's that's also a real person. It's like, well, maybe they didn't... You're mischaracterizing that person. Yeah, Yeah, so, so maybe, you know, in and of itself, it's not harmful, but it is participating in... Uh, confirmation bias, yes. and the and the more and the more that we we build those habits, the uh, it's maybe more likely that we may fall into the habit of not verifying things. And with with all, so many bots out there putting information out there, even if it's even if it's good and factual or, or not, it's, you know, being able to, to check something and know it for sure. Cause I mean, especially like there's so many conversations that I hear someone say like, Oh yeah, I saw this or I heard this or I read this. It's like, ah, were you just on Twitter? Did you see something on Twitter or just screenshot of Twitter? And, and it's, yeah, it can be very benign and innocent. um, Like that, that Morgan Freeman example, but you know, you think about, how that may work in something else, you know, like take, take a fake Twitter account of uh, someone else who has this established, you know, level of trust. And they say something that, that maybe is, is politically aligned and people are thinking that, you know, they agree with the sentiment and they on the surface and they are, generally trusting of the person who sent it, but they don't realize that there's, there's another layer to it that might be like anti-Semitic or racist or something like that. And they're, they're sharing things without necessarily thinking about it. And, and viral internet culture, it's, it's very prone to all that, that quick thinking. And we process so much information, so many little micro doses of facts and unfacts information, whatever. And, uh, at a, at a certain point, it kind of dulls our senses a little bit. So it's good to take a step back and be, um, yeah, just just be a little bit more mindful and conscientious of that kind of stuff. So again, the song's not meant to be preachy, but th- that's these are just conversations that I've had with other people and with myself a lot. Just you know, because I, I I fall victim to this stuff too, you know, and I've realized that that uh, I have to be a lot more mindful of the the info that I take in and um and and realizing how much that's changed the landscape and how yeah how many like weird interactions I've gotten with people and so you know the song is just inspired by that kind of uh yeah 
Yeah. Well, taken to the, the extreme, you know, it can be very, very dangerous too. I mean, we don't really touch too much on it, but it's like, if we hint at that in the song, it's like, it's just can be, it, it can be a dangerous thing to just uh, blindly follow what you're, whatever you're, you're reading. Yeah. Yeah. You get like QAnon and uh, yeah. A lot yeah. Of, like we're just weird. Uh, like, I don't know, stuff that seems like social engineering that, but it, it, it predicates on that, that desire to be in the know and have the, have the first information. And um, yeah, you remember, I mean, I still see it, but I remember, you know, earlier on in the internet, um, for, like people on forums or on YouTube videos, like being the first person to comment and being first and that having that be right. like this mark of pride. Like yeah, I was the yeah, first yeah. person like, Oh yeah. I had the t-shirt before that band had a single <laughs> on the radio. You know, that it's like that, that kind of thing. And I think that there's a similar propensity to be the first person to put something out there. So you can be that Morgan Freeman. Like, like, like that's, that's the thing about Twitter is it does, it does give, give anybody who starts a Twitter account, the opportunity to be uh, an account that a lot of people follow and that is influential and always has these hot takes, whether they be poignant, insightful, funny, whatever. And, there's a lot of social capital tied up in that. And in a day and age when people are feeling increasingly isolated and like dissociated from the world around them, there's a, there's a lot of value in, in feeling like you are an influential person that, that has, you know, even half the stature of, of a Morgan Freeman or uh, you know, anyone else who you regularly see, you know, like say something on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not about, it, it's not about being influential. It's, it's like, what's the message that you're carrying? Do you believe the message? Is the message just a, a, a vehicle for you to get more likes and retweets? That's when you have to start seeing like, well, what do you, what do you actually believe in? What is your, what are your core values? What's, what kind of impact do you want to have on the world around you? Because I, I I know that it's like simultaneously, we think we have a lot more impact than we do. And simultaneously, we, we don't realize how much impact we actually have Mm -hmm. and being, and that's a hard lesson to learn, you know? And I think that it's, it's just a good reminder to just to take a step back, take a deep breath and remind ourselves that, you know, we're all participating in, in these conversations, especially on the internet. I mean, the internet used to be a place you could go to be, you know, anonymous, like you're posting on forums or like, you know, instant messenger. It's like, it's not, it's not like your, your like full name and and your occupation and everything like that. That's, that's very like linked to your identity. Like, you know, like LinkedIn is and like, and and even, you know, Facebook with, with having a lot of those like, prove show your id prove you are who you say yes so you are there's 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 pros and cons to that but we're in a much more public uh time on on the internet right now and it's so easy to um you know to forget that especially as people who've been on the internet for a long time and uh man it it, it gets it gets hairy out there if you're not careful and it's just a good good reminder to be uh, consistent with with your beliefs and how you put your beliefs out into the world. Yeah. Awesome. All good stuff. All great stuff. Um, so, um, what's what's something you both would like to see more of in the ska scene? What's uh, is there anything that you you know? It doesn't have to be you know major, but but uh, something you'd like to see more in the ska scene. That's a great question. Um, I love seeing more young uh, bands coming up. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, <laughs> I'm in my forties. Aaron's almost 40. Almost 39. Yeah. Oh, or almost 39. Sorry. Didn't want to. It's, all, it's, all, it's almost 40. <laughs> sorry. Either way we, you know, I love seeing a new generation of, um, of musicians come up and, um, I, you, you're starting to see that with some, some bands and, and um, some um, newer record labels and things that are popping up and it's kind of exciting to see what, what's next. And so I, I kind of like um, seeing um, 
a younger generation come through, but I also um, would love to see that younger generation also kind of um, um, root their music or, or, or take note of um, kind of where ska music comes from the, you know, some of the Jamaican roots of um, where the, the, the sound has come from. And so I think that would be really exciting to see um, younger bands that were um, basing their music on the Jamaican aspect and less maybe on the third wave American aspect. I don't know. Maybe that's just selfish sort of um, I mean, because we play more Jamaican inspired music, but um, and, and not so much the the third wave stuff. But I, I, I think it would be really cool to see um, more folks tune into that that Jamaican legacy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there could be a lot of cool innovation there. Um, you know, younger people, musicians coming at ska from a fresh perspective rather than, you know, building on on where ska was, you know, on the American airwaves 20 years ago or so. But from, you know, kind of taking ska at its at its core and, and exploring more and like going back and picking up things that other bands haven't picked up yet and kind of yeah going to that source material so i i definitely i definitely would love to see some of that and, and even just just like having having a youth subculture exist you know that's that it was scott was a very youth oriented subculture when we both got into it and for whatever reason um that seems like the you know the average age has has continue to creep up for, for people playing in bands and, and going to shows. Um, I mean, I, I, a big, a big reason for that is all ages venues. I think that all ages venues, at least in the twin cities, I don't know about, you know, everywhere else in the United States, but it seems like the, the opportunity to see an all ages show has really gone down and pretty much every single ska show that I, well, obviously when I was under 21 or even under 18, like the ska shows that I was going to were the all ages shows. And it was pretty much the unwritten rule that uh, a ska band coming through town or most punk bands even would be playing all ages shows. And unfortunately don't really see that anymore. And, you know, a lot of that, that crowd that was going to those, those all ages shows is over 21. Now they can go see a, uh, punk band or ska band at a bar and that's and that's fine but for the younger generations like what how, how are they going to get into ska they're not going to have the same sort of introduction that we did right and i think that's a really missed opportunity and, I, and that's and that's really unfortunate because i want i want the next generation to have that opportunity to to go and experience live music you know, up close and personal you know at a, at a small club that's not you know, a, a big rock club or arena or anything like that and and get a sense of seeing a, a band, a younger band play music on stage and be inspired by them and and see the music they're playing. And be like, like I, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. I want to help carry this culture on. Most of our band was inspired that way. We had our minds blown by bands when we were at that young under 18 age, you know, and that's what's hooked us for life. And so it would be really great if that that same experience doesn't have to be note for note, but, you know, a similar experience could be had with um, some of the, the younger kids and uh, they're coming up. You know, and I think that, you know, no matter what kind of music it is, whether it's Scott or, or something completely different, just having those spaces for for kids to be able to play shows, you know, in their, in their middle school, high school bands and their friends come to see them and, and build that scene, build that community from the, you know, as, as teens, as young people, that's really important. Um, because I, you know, there's a lot of talk about Scott becoming big again and, and having this resurgence. And I think that there's, that's, that's true from a certain perspective, but like, it can only go so far if it's just like this resurgence of popularity from something that was, that was popular 20, 25 years ago, you know, that, that has that, there's that retrospective or nostalgic thing. And, and that can be very important too, but um, it's not going to, if it's not coming from, from youth culture, it's not going to be the same. And it, and it sure. may not like, it's, it's not planting the same type of seeds that 
um, that something music that comes from youth subculture right. does. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's that's a tricky it's a tricky thing to try to figure out. But um, you know, that's I think that's something that collectively the Scott scene should focus more on trying to do. I know the 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 bad time record tour that's been going around i think they're trying to do as many all ages shows as they yeah. can if not if not all of them and that's amazing like that's a really good that's a really good plan i think just to yeah. to be as inclusive as possible absolutely yeah. agreed agreed all right before we head out of course we have uh scott picks of the week courtney why don't you tell us about your scott pick you know, um, sometimes I'm just listening to Spotify and they're just throwing ska songs at me left and right. And um, there's a band um, that they keep playing for me called The Delegators. And it, they're, I don't even know if they're still active, but um, they, they had a couple of releases um, in the 2010, 2013 era. And um there's a song moving on that always plays. I, I I'll put a Bluetooth speaker in my, in my, uh, on the back of my bike and um, my daughter will ride along with me. And there's one that she always sings along to. And that's uh, moving on by the delegators. All right. Uh, let's take a listen. So here's the delegators with moving on. love that voice that's such a soulful voice they've got there yeah she really i mean she's got just a tremendous set of pipes i, I i'll listen to anything that they put out yeah yeah that was really good all right uh aaron why don't you tell us about your scott pick so i've been digging the new eastern standard time album clockwork um also came out on jump up records same day as uh as uh punch up by the prize fighters came out so um it was nice to have have that that release to look forward to, and, and ha- you had a handful of releases uh, put out by by Jump Up that same day. But um, I was I was digging the the two singles that they put out, but uh, the song from the album that really stood out to me that that I I think is my favorite is "You Believe Your Own Lies." It's it's a nice like it's ska, but it's on the slower tempo end of ska, and it's it's definitely my kind of tune. I'm. Uh, very impressed with the new Eastern Standard Time record. All right. So, so every, everyone should pick that one up from Jump Up. All right. So let's check out a little bit of You Believe Your Own Lies by Eastern Standard Time. Try to convince me I'm deceived by your smiles And the words you say Why you wear this disguise All the reasons escape me But I can see in your eyes That it's just not the truth Oh, now what am I to do? You keep me kissing what should I do in spite of the truth? Oh, you keep me wondering. That's, that's another uh, smooth voice right there. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Neek. All right. Then it's time. So uh, before we head out, before we say our goodbyes, uh, gentlemen, where can, uh, where's the best place to follow the prize fighters and where can they get the new record and, all that good stuff well 
you can follow everything Prizefighters at theprizefighters.net. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. Um, otherwise, um, and, and on Bandcamp too, you, you can find our record there. Um, you can also get records uh, from jumpuprecords.com as well. So, Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, this was a wonderful chat. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for having us, Matt. Uh, sorry, RJ couldn't make it, but I hope he's feeling better soon. Yeah, we all hope that. Because everyone knows the show is better with RJ. Um, all right. Uh, thank you for joining us, listeners. Thank you for listening and supporting On The Upbeat. We appreciate you and all that you do for this podcast. And until next time, keep listening to Ska. You've been listening to On The Upbeat. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get all the new episodes as soon as they're available. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at On The Upbeat Ska. Follow our Spotify playlist, Ska Favorites. It features all the songs heard on the show. Please consider joining our Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash ska to sign up today. And thank you for supporting On The Upbeat.